Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include but are not limited to professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Your discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ therefore forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. All right, Tim, the question for today's episode is, is it loving to call alcoholics worthless drunks? It seems like, yeah, a lot of people, they really recoil at the idea of calling someone a drunk. And then if you add worthless to it, then that seems to be adding <laughs> <laughs> insult to injury yeah, I mean, really, or insult, insult to insult, <laughs> insult to insult. Yeah. Yeah. So, so part of it is, um, there's two, two parts of, uh, this kind of question in general, and that is the question, you, what should you call the person who is mastered by alcohol? So that's part one. And then, you know, should you add colorful adjectives on it? Like worthless, uh, that's just, uh, that's another part of the discussion, but I think most people are predisposed to basically treat, um, any kind of vice that a person is engaged in right now with, uh, sympathetic language in general. So. We really, we really don't have much of a category for, you know, speaking very harshly against people who are engaged in any of these things at all. Um, and we, when we lean on this kind of quasi-medical, psychological, therapeutic language like alcoholism in general, like we, we lean on that kind of language, even though it's, um, you know, it's not really very precise as to what we're even mm-hmm. talking about. So yeah. we, we lean on the stuff, uh, and then, I mean, you you can kind of imagine a scenario where an individual is at, uh, you know. You're at someone's funeral. The, you know the dad's dead. You know the the guy who's been a drunk drunk his whole life. He's dead. But then you know you have the pastor. You have all of his kids just basically telling uh, good stories about him and you know lionizing him essentially. That you know he, you know he suffered from alcoholism for years and years and years and it finally got him right. So it, it got him right. And, <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And, the, and then you know that's just their way of kind of not saying the obvious right that he was just a guy who. Drank himself to death. Drank himself to death, came home every few weeks, beat his wife, you know, beat, yelled at the kids and all that. It's just their way of trying to still honor him somehow. But certainly, I think for a lot of people, they lean on that kind of, you know, quasi-medical sounding language, uh, alcoholism kind of language as a, as a way of getting them off the hook from having to actually deal with the nature of what, what's actually happening in these kind of scenarios. Right. Well, you know, and we've talked about this before, but isn't it isn't it the type of thing where, you know, as Christians, we can we can read the Bible and know that, you know, for someone who is who is addicted to alcohol, um, that's a morally negative category that they've put themselves in. 
but then you know people who have not subjugate who have not subjugated themselves to god and his word who are you know openly rebelling against him they're what they're trying to do is they're essentially trying to explain the same kind of phenomenon minus the morality of it right so so they're trying to explain it as if there was no sort of like spiritual aspect to this in any way whatsoever it must have like a physical explanation which is why they go to the why they go to the um addiction thing you know hey it's just your brain your brain is telling you know your brain's telling you that you need this even though you even though it's harmful for you right is that right is that right yeah i mean so when you think about this like word in general alcoholism it's it it really is kind of a disputed word uh in general uh meaning that i mean not even the psychologists agree that it's the best use of the word anymore uh so right now i mean the predominant dsm diagnosis for this is what's called alcohol use disorder but that that really isn't um there's a they they actually call it a disorder yeah (laughs) Wow. <laughs> alcohol use disorder, right? So, wow. but I, you know, there isn't really broad definition, uh, broad agreement on you know this definition or this word in general um, anymore. So, you know, but but people still use it, and it's still ser- therapeutic kind of language. And I mean, functionally, it's doing the same thing as alcohol use disorder. It's it's basically just kind of defining a per- what what they're doing. Whether you say alcohol use disorder, you say alcoholism, right? Whatever you're saying, what it's doing is it's it's um, Putting the emphasis not on the behavior that the individual is engaged in, mm-hmm. but it's putting it's it's basically um, it's a way of sheltering a person from like moral categories and moral thinking as what you yeah. described. It's blame shifting. It's blame shifting. Right. right? I mean, it's the same kind of thing that you know is happening with like a term like kleptomaniac, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible has a term for that. That's a thief. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the Bible, but the Bible has a term for. You know, an alcoholic. Like the the term for an alcoholic is a drunk. That's what it, the term is. Like that's the biblical term. So the Bible would describe an alcoholic as a drunk, right? So sure. That's that's in the same way that the Bible would describe a thief as a thief. But then the issue is that if you use those terms, there's great hope that like let the thief no longer steal, but let him work with his hands, so he may have something to give. Mm-hmm. Now, when you put it in this like therapeutic kind of language, like suffering from alcoholism or suffering from alcohol use disorder or whatever, when you put it in that kind of language, what ends up happening is you have this situation where this person feels like he's afflicted with this thing that's kind of like cancer, like this quasi-medical diagnosis, like he's afflicted by, right? So, mm-hmm. so then he's suffering from this thing. And that's the way that everyone talks about it. Like they're suffering from alcoholism as if it's just this thing, right? Yeah, it's an outside thing that's affecting me that I have zero control over. Right, right. Other, other than whatever, you know, fake treatment someone gives me. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So, I mean, the first rule of Alcoholics Anonymous is to say, you know, hey, I'm Tim, I'm an alcoholic or whatever, right? And so, like, that's like the, the issue there, though, is that, like, that gives rise to the kind of movie where you can imagine the kind of movie where the guy's been, like, quote unquote, sober for, you know, a few years. He goes to the hotel room and, like, all of a sudden he looks inside the mini fridge or whatever and it's full of alcohol. And then he goes on a bender all night, right? Because he mm-hmm. just can't, like, like, he's an alcoholic. That's who he is. Like, all he can do is just abstain, right? Or remove himself from it because the moment he sees it, like, the disease is just going to attack him and it's going to get him and it's going to take him, right? And so, and, and that's just, you know, that's the way that Alcoholics Anonymous teaches people to think about these things. It's just, like, the way people, that's the common way people think about it is that, like, they're an alcoholic. They have some kind of genetic predisposition to alcoholism. You know, they just, like, this thing just, 
grabs them and gets them and they can't do anything about it. It's just a physical problem. And, you, you know, so in the best case scenario, what people do is they'll you'll say, well, hey, yeah, but isn't there something like addiction that can happen once you're chemically mastered to this substance? And it's like, yeah, but yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you know, yeah, you can get addicted to caffeine too, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, talking about the whole like, hey, is it some sort of chemical thing? And maybe that's what, you know, hey, we can't put all the blame on the person because, I mean, it's not like they're, you know, trying. It's not like they're consciously regulating all the chemicals in their body. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, everything that you ever feel is a chemical reaction, you know, but then but the Bible doesn't make distinctions based off of chemical reactions in your brain. So every time you get happy. That's a chemical reaction happening in, happening in your brain, right? Or right. every every time you know, like when when you're um, when a child is born, the mother has like a ton of oxytocin dumped into her brain, dumps it into her body essentially uh, to you know help her like essentially ignore all of the trauma that she faced in birthing the baby, so that you know she loves the baby. And you see this and you know, in the hospital, if you've ever had kids, like your wife is just like, I mean, starstruck by the newborn baby that has been destroying her body for nine months. That's a chemical reaction. But then that doesn't mean that there's not moral um, and spiritual um, consequences for these things still. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, th- I think with any kind of. um there's any number of things that you can get addicted to. There's any number of chemicals that you can put in your brain. I mean, like you can get addicted to caffeine, you can get addicted to alcohol. And yeah, I mean, you know, if you, if you get addicted, let's say you get addicted to caffeine, you you drink caffeine for a certain period of time, like high doses of caffeine, then you're, you're not really going to be able to function to the same level while you're addicted to caffeine. You're going to get headaches. You're going to have blurred vision, you know, all that's going to happen. But then no one will, would describe that as like a caffeine holic, Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> caffeineaholic yeah. or something, <laughs> or caffeine, um, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they just call you an enthusiast. Yeah, you, yeah so they wear it as a passion. <laughs> caffeineaholic, <laughs> uh, you know. No, but that—that's not even a word. <laughs> I mean, but no one's going to describe it in the language of addiction, right? So, I mean, like in that way, I mean, most normal people aren't. Like, I'm, you know, maybe you can find the DSM category or whatever. But like, the issue though is that you can turn from that. It's just the path is going to be a little bit more painful, right? Mm-hmm. So you 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 can dig yourself out of it and. You know, I mean, I've digged myself out of caffeine addiction multiple times, right? (laughs) Where I'm totally addicted to caffeine. You know, I go through a period of intense suffering for a few days and then I move on, right? So, I mean, obviously, like you can, like there are chemical dependencies on certain things and that's fine. But like the issue is you don't want to, like you want to put the emphasis on the behavior because the behavior can change, right? Despite Mm -hmm. how bad you feel, how bad it feels to climb out of it, you can change your behavior. And that's where the Bible puts the emphasis on. It doesn't identify you with a particular vice that you're performing. So part of of the question is just, you know, trying to answer the question as it relates to what's, what's the most helpful way to view this. And I mean, the Bible obviously describes this as a drunk. I mean, that's what the Bible says, like you're a drunk. Yeah. And so it's obviously loving to use, like the issue is it's obviously loving to use the language that the Bible uh, would use there and like we used to call pe- like it, so the other part of the question though is it's like talking about like a worthless drunk and that feels like you know as you said like adding insult to injury right uh-huh yeah and so it, I mean, it feels like adding insult to injury but the issue is that like that's how society used to view men who 
instead of going to work, they just sat around all day drinking alcohol and then came home and, you know, or they went to work, you know, went out to the bars, came home, beat their wives. People would call them worthless drunks, like particularly with the kind of guy who like stopped going to work and just gave himself over to vices. And so, I mean, and that feels very mean, but then like that was a form of like shame, you know? So part of what we're trying to do as a society is remove all the shameful elements of shameful behavior. Mm-hmm. But then the Bible doesn't really go that route. So, I mean, you can look up the word worthless in the Bible and it shows up in 49 different verses. <laughs> and, you know, like a good example of this is like Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen: Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. And that's like worthless pursuits there is like getting drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. Not working, getting drunk all the time. That's that's just what it's talking about. So, so I mean, there are... Like in the Bible, worthless fellows are individuals who basically are unemployed young men who get into trouble, right? Yeah. And typically pursue like women or alcohol or vices and, you know, blow things up and everything else. So, I mean, like these are just biblical ways of speaking about certain behavioral patterns that are destructive. And we would do well to relearn how to talk about these things, basically. Okay, fair enough. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.